In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The lessons for Christmas and Epiphany reveal Jesus as the Son of God in a chronological progression. On Christmas Eve, the newborn Son of God was revealed to the shepherds. On Epiphany, the two-year-old Son of God was revealed to the Magi. Last Sunday, the 12-year-old Son of God was revealed to doctors in the temple and disruptively to Mary and Joseph. Today, the second Sunday after the Epiphany, reveals the adult Jesus as the Son of God in his baptism. The baptism of Jesus is the most significant of these epiphanies. It is in every gospel, whereas each of the previous epiphanies appear only in one gospel each. The baptism of Jesus is the clearest New Testament picture of God as Trinity. The Father speaks, the Spirit descends as a dove, and the Son of God is revealed in the water as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. In St. Mark's account of the baptism, Jesus receives the revelation. Mark tells us that Jesus saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him. And the Father said to him, you are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Thus, the baptism of Jesus is both an epiphany to Jesus and of Jesus to others. <clears throat> this does not mean that Jesus didn't know who he is. We read last Sunday how the 12-year-old Jesus sufficiently was aware of his identity to pull rank on his earthly parents. The baptismal affirmation signified that it was time to begin his ministry. As Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus began his ministry in the Nazareth synagogue by reading that verse and then saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In baptism, Jesus is also revealed as the new Adam, the beginning of a new humanity. The death that the first Adam died in Genesis was the loss of union with God in the spirit. Jesus is revealed as the one who lives in union with the Father through the spirit. Thus, Jesus' baptism is a pattern for our baptisms. We are literally baptized into Christ. Through the baptismal gift of the Spirit, we are raised from the death of sin in Adam, that condition of separation, and we are restored to life in Christ through the Spirit. The fact that Jesus' baptism revealed something to Jesus presents a pattern for our own baptismal epiphanies. In baptism, we are given our new and true identity. If we perceive the epiphany of our baptism, we, like Jesus, will see the Spirit descending upon us. 
and we will hear the Father's voice saying to us, you are my beloved child. Jesus is the model of perfect faith. He received the revelation and perfectly got about the business of being the Messiah. We have less than perfect faith. Sometimes we doubt the Father's love, and sometimes we are reticent to go where the Spirit leads us. The very next verse of Mark's Gospel after the baptism says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Jesus did not resist this prompting of the Spirit, but followed. Sometimes we are less willing to be led into our own times of testing. The Bible presents one great moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus wrestled with his vocation. He said to the Father, I don't want to do this, but I will do what you want, not what I want. In this submission, Jesus fulfilled the human vocation of faithful obedience through testing that was abdicated by the first humans in the first test in the first garden. In this way, Jesus restored the human destiny to share in the glory of God. Philippians sums it up this way. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. We also have a baptismal vocation. The Spirit descends upon us, makes us members of the body of Christ, and leads us to participate in the ministry of the church through the gifts we have been given. Jesus possesses all spiritual gifts. He bestows these gifts upon the members of his body in accordance with his will. As Psalm 68, quoted in Ephesians 4.8 says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Thus the epistle today says that we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. This reflects the New Testament teaching that with the baptismal gift of the Holy Spirit, we each receive specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are the capacity to serve the body of Christ and others in specific ways. As Ephesians 4, 7 says, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And as 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. God's gift of salvation and the unique gifts he gives to each of us reorient our lives. In our natural state, in our fallen state, in Adam, apart from Christ, life is oriented around what we can get from others. Sin makes us empty and needy, and we take things from others 
to fill our own emptiness. As we grow into our identity as God's children, our orientation shifts. Romans 5.5 5 says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit fills our emptiness and changes us from takers into givers. We grow in our own experience through forgiveness and develop the ability to bestow the gift of forgiveness on others. Our wounds are healed and we become agents of healing for other people. If we had perfect faith like Jesus, we would always know exactly who we are and we would always honor God and love others in accordance with our identity and vocation. But our faith is not perfect, so we forget who we are. And we do not always fulfill what St. James calls the royal law of love. The life of prayer is the discipline of remembering. Through prayer, we constantly return to the experience of our baptism. We reconnect with the Father in Christ through the Spirit. We remember who we are. When we neglect the life of prayer, we neglect this act of remembrance and we forget. The accusing voice of the evil one comes to drown out the Father's voice. The experience of grace is replaced by the experience of guilt. The experience of union with God is replaced by a sense of separation from God. We regress from our true identity as gifted and giving children of God and revert to needy and grumbling children of the world. This is why the Bible constantly calls us to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me precisely because we are forgetful. In the Eucharist, we remember and experience again the grace of our baptism. We renew the baptismal privilege of boldly calling God our Father. As Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17 says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. After we remember again our true identity, that we are beloved children of God, and after we are filled again with the Holy Spirit, we are sent out again to fulfill our baptismal vocation, to do all such good works as God has prepared for us to walk in. This vocation into which the Spirit leads us is summarized by St. Paul, in our epistle, where he says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, 
cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.